I would have had to change the internal data structure to the rope class to be something like a list and then iteration and all that would have worked fine. Um, and I know exactly how to do it, but I didn't want to. Uh, <laughs> but this is the kind of thing so that... So there. Hey, Matt. Hello, Mike. How are you doing today? I am well. How are you? I am... Just splendid. Hey, should we do a podcast? Yes! About Advent of Code again? Yes. Okay, excellent. Welcome, everyone, to Hacking the Grebson. It's still December. It's still the Advent of Code, and we are still doing the Advent of Code. And here for another weekly wrap-up of uh, our progress, what we've seen, uh, our thoughts, any difficulties we've had, maybe our favorites. We're just gonna we're just gonna jump right in to the last week of problems. And Matt, uh, take us away with uh, I think day five is the first one. Yeah, so day five is the first one we didn't do last time or didn't talk about because it didn't exist uh, when we recorded mm-hmm. the last episode. So day five is called supply stacks, and basically it's you've got three columns of three stacks of crates and a crane is moving them and then it we want to get to the bottom of of what uh what arrangement will be what will those boxes be in after the the moves you were given so what how'd you feel about day five i i think this was the first one judging by my notes that actually took me you know uh, a significant amount of time compared to the first four uh, the the hardest part for me. Oh, and just uh, as an FYI to everybody listening, we are going to be getting into how we solve these problems. Uh, not necessarily the answers because it's unique to everybody, but you know, if, if you want to go into these, <laughs> yeah, if you want to go into these blind, uh, just uh, fair warning. I think the hardest thing for me, honestly, was just getting the 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 input oh, uh, sure. from Advent of Code into a usable data structure that I could then manipulate. Um, and, and the first thing I was trying to do is I was trying to take the, the input and rotate it 90 degrees so that it would be, uh, you know, left to right arrays that you could, uh, push and pop stuff onto and off of. And honestly, trying to figure out how to do that properly, I don't know if it was TypeScript or if it's just been (laughs) a long time since I've done any kind of array. I'm not sure I've ever done an array rotation, uh, before, so that was something that took me a while to figure out. Uh, but once I got past that, uh, the actual you know moving of the crates uh, around was not uh, as difficult. What about you? Uh, I liked it. I, my I, I started keeping track of my thoughts as I as I go, so that we could talk mm-hmm. about them because I have a terrible memory. And my my opening to this one was this one was fun. Uh, <laughs> but like you, the big the big pain in this one was the parser, right? Actually reading in the input and putting it into a format. Uh, I wrote it was a bit of a pain, but I should have done a regex. Uh, so a regular expression, mm. I think, would have parsed it easier. I didn't bother with array manipulation. Uh, instead, oh. I just, I just, I made my stack class, you know, one for each stack. Actually, mm-hmm. I think it was all the stacks, and just passed in each block of, or I think I passed in the entire input uh, into that. It was, it was a rare, <laughs> a rare change. Oh no, I passed in the block of. The block of stacks information at the top, so the starting state, parsed it mm-hmm. in there, which was not straightforward, but I basically just iterated over the lines and broke it up by spaces and 
I'm like, okay, these four have to be this box, and these four have to be that box. That 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 probably was the better way, and and that's the kind of way that like for some reason when I do these problems, I never think about doing that. I I just I'm doing all this from the terminal, so I'm just thinking of like, okay, how do I read this text in and then output it uh, back onto the terminal? Um, and so I actually took all of the uh, cruft out that was in it, because because you know each crate had like little um, braces around it. Yep. Um. I actually like like did a um, I don't know some kind of array manipulation where I like stripped out those so that I made it like the input as basic as possible and then rotated it 90 90 degrees so that it would look like a bunch of rows of arrays that like I said I could push and pop off of and honestly like that's just how my brain works uh, even if like that was obviously not the most efficient way to do it that was the way I could understand it so. Yeah, my way was not the most efficient way either. Like I said, a, reg- a regular expression probably would have made more sense for doing the parsing. Mm-hmm. I don't hate myself that much, so I didn't do it that way. And then, yeah, once once I got the input in, it pretty much like you said, it was a lot of push pops. You know, I yeah, I, my brain works by making a class to represent the data and the methods on the data because that's object oriented programming. Um, and once yeah. I have once I figure out what my class looks like usually the problems are pretty straightforward from that point. It's just like, what classes do I want to represent this problem? Uh, right. Did you encounter any, uh, ha- when you hit part two on this one, which wasn't a big change, it was just like, instead of one at a time, you can do them all at once, I think. Uh, substantial change to your code, pretty straightforward. Yeah, not not a huge change. Uh, most of my time was spent doing the first thing, just getting the input in, setting up a data format, and all the manipulation functions. And then, yeah, that was just basically changing the, you know, uh, length of the array that was being pushed and popped. Th- th- thankfully, uh, at that point, <laughs> although this is uh, definitely foreshadowing, at that point, part twos were not yet a major twist uh, of any of these problems. But, you know, let's yeah, move we, on to we day took six. took a couple days before that. Yeah. So day six, uh, they called yes. tuning trouble. And mm-hmm. this one, we had a communication system uh, that they wanted to get set up. And because apparently we've dealt with that before, we're the experts, uh, according to the thing. So we got a bunch of basically just looked like gibberish characters. Uh, and then we were supposed to find, I believe it was the start of the data stream in that gibberish character, which was the first time three characters didn't have a repeat in them. Uh, if I, if I remember correctly. Yes. So that was that one. How did you, how did you feel on this one? Uh, this one, I, my, my, the thing I wrote in my notes was relief after day five, (laughs) uh, because it was a one dimensional array essentially, as opposed to a two dimensional array that I was rotating and pushing and popping. Um, yeah, no, this one was, uh, pretty easy. And the part two, I think we all, were a little surprised that it wasn't nearly, it was barely a twist. It was like yeah. one minor constraint change. And so I was like, is this advent of code? Like this could have been way crazier than it was. Yeah. Literally there's a one character line on two lines in my difference between A and B or part one and part two for this one, mm. which yeah. is just ridiculous. Yeah. I had the same thought very easy. And part two was a trivial change. Um, I was a little bit worried because it significantly increased, like tripled the uh, the size that you needed to look at, mm-hmm. more or less. Um, Were you worried about optimization? In part two? 
And I was I was worried about optimization, yeah. But it ultimately it ended up being big O of n. It was just linear. Uh, just ran through the array four mm-hmm. times for the first one, or more than that for the second one. So yeah, I'm I'm actually a, a little surprised that I mean we haven't gotten to you know the um, the current day's problem, but like I don't think there's been a problem yet that has been an optimization issue where like if you just try to brute force it, your computer will hang for hours. Like I know it was like day eight or nine of last year where that had come up. So I'm not sure if he, if the, if Eric Wastel has uh, tried to go easier on us uh, this year. But um, anyway, I think he's, I think he's uh, making other parts more difficult up front. Although we did have a couple of things where optimization started to at least factor into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, so six easy. Thank you, Eric, for a simpler yes. day. We all appreciated <laughs> that. Um, day seven was oh, no space left on device, and mm-hmm. this is one where basically you had a bunch of you you got terminal output of like cd this, ls this, and it would give you like the directory contents, and you had to find directories to delete based on size. Uh, mm-hmm. How'd you feel on this one? Um. Well, to put it bluntly, uh, I, I didn't like this one only because uh, <laughs> it was the first one that I did not finish. Um, oh, day yeah, seven. I, I still have not finished, and I feel like we can probably come back around to this one. It, it's It was the first day that made me feel like I felt last year uh, at <laughs> a certain point where I was just like, you know, I think maybe this is not the programming that I'm good at. Yeah, so let's circle back around and talk about it in detail yeah. after we talk about all the other problems. Sure. All right, day eight. Day eight, uh, treetop treehouse. We want to build a treehouse, and they want a good location based on number of trees you can see. I liked that they weren't trying to uh, build a tree where you had the fewest trees. It was the opposite, which is the way I would want it, which is I don't want to see anything except for trees, was Mm. basically the approach that they took. (laughs) So we got a map of tree heights, and it was, uh, I believe the first one was, how many trees are visible from outside? And then part two was... uh, a deeper dive and looking at, I think where to where to put the actual treehouse. So thoughts on this one? Yeah. Uh, well, this one I, I I was back to finishing it, so uh, I I I enjoyed it. Um, it reminded me of one from last year that I think dealt with like uh, instead of high up in the air with trees, it was down underwater with uh, some kind of heat map thing. Where was it like it, lava it was, tubes or something? Yeah, lava tubes, and you were trying you know it was another thing where you were given like a grid of numbers and each number represented uh the height of something and and you basically had to check every number and based on the numbers that were around it you know come to some conclusion about it uh so i was you know i was able to to grok it a lot better um because we had done one of those in the past and uh i got through it pretty easily i mean i still feel very slow and inefficient even when i know like how i'm approaching these problems it's still i just i I don't know i I don't even know how to put it into words it's just every time i start i almost feel like i'm uh, starting a little bit from the beginning again of just like okay wait i've got this input and now i've (laughs) got to put it into a format and then i've got to process it whereas somehow i i don't know how to just cut to the chase and do like the least amount of code possible i always am building like an application around the problem instead of just answering it. I don't, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Like I, yeah. 
I always am putting classes. I have a tree class and a forest class for this one. Mm -hmm. Um, And I could have done it more efficiently uh, from a amount of time it took me to write the code standpoint or number of lines of code. But ultimately, like, that's not how I think people should write code. So I I don't want to do that myself. And Mm -hmm. not knowing what part two is going to be, I also think it puts me at a slight advantage going from part one to part two by not just slapping something in there that barely functions for part one. I have fairly robust. I'm like, okay, I've got some logic. I've got these classes that operate properly on themselves. And so making a change to it is usually trivial. That said, this was the first time I've had a substantial change this year between part one and part two because the... What we were looking for in the first part, like I said, we were looking in, and in the second part, we were looking out, and mm-hmm. the computation needed to change where it was coming from. Uh, this one could have ended up having problems optimization-wise if it had been a larger grid, because mm-hmm. you could easily have gone uh, exponential in how you looked at it. Like, look at every tree, and look at every every other tree, you know, for every tree, but if you were smart about it, like checking from outside in or inside out, depending on which part you were in, you can do it linearly more or less. Uh, So it didn't end up too bad. But yeah, the the change on this one was was bigger than previous ones have been. I usually, someone at work uh, in the other Slack channel I follow for Advent of Code, that's really the only two places I look, they had started posting diffs between part one and part two. And I went, oh, that's fun. And so I just do that. I don't post it. I just look at them because it's interesting to me. Uh, And this was definitely the biggest that we had encountered so far. Cool. Yeah, I, I think the only interesting thing that I got out of this was in part two is that I came up with some convoluted way of essentially storing the the scenicness, I guess is what you'd say, of each tree, you know, yep. uh, into essentially like a big array of strings that I then did a bunch of slicing. And I think I even did... Oh, yeah, I used eval for the first time legitimately on my string because essentially I it, it was like I made a, a a one a string one for every good view point that a a tree got mm. and 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 then put little asterisks in between because you because you were supposed to multiply all of it up at the end and then eventually I had like noise on the outside and sometimes in the middle. So I just did a bunch of slices to remove all the noise. And then at the very end, I had like one asterisk, one asterisk, two asterisk, two. And I'm like, okay, I could do more slicing or I could literally just use eval, which is one of those JavaScript methods they say are super dangerous to use because, you know, it, especially if you let some, a, a user generate the string that goes inside the eval, it could, it be, could be anything. Yeah. Right. But, it, you know, obviously I'm making the strings my, myself. I know they're not dangerous, but it, I just thought it was funny that I actually had a use for that. Uh, I used it. I used it in day method. 11. That was. Oh, really? Yep. I hadn't used it until then. Um, and I was like, well, I oh, could. Right. Yeah, I had to think about what 11 is. I had the yeah. same thought as you. I was like, well, I could do more parsing or. <laughs> Uh, so, I mean, I mean, I, I I assume that's kind of what that method is for. It's just that like it's got exactly a bad rap. the kind of thing it's for. And as long as you trust the data in the string, it's fine. Right. Um, it, it it helps make a little bit more dynamic programming, which I am a big fan of. So yeah, uh, just the, just don't put uh, Bobby tables inside that email, and you'll be okay. <laughs> uh, little Bobby tables. 
And the other thing on day eight that threw me off was it wasn't mm-hmm. super clear. Uh, like you said, calculating that scenic score was all multiplication. And it wasn't super mm-hmm. clear what the scores should be for the trees on the outside. Um, mm. And so I mm-hmm. had been trying to make them non-zero. So it's like, well, okay, there's no trees going that direction, you know, because I'm on the edge. Uh, I'll just I'll just call that a one. And I kept getting the wrong answers. And finally I realized, oh, no, those should be zeros. And all of a sudden, my answer was right. So that was me misunderstanding the problem more than anything else. I, I mean, I think if there's a general takeaway from Advent of Code is that uh, as the days go as the days go by and the problems get more complicated, uh, there's just more text for every problem. And, and it's as much of a skill to be able to read all that text and get through to what they're asking you and not like uh, just looking at examples and like immediately started building a model because you may be overdoing it or, or doing stuff you don't need to do. So, yeah. Yeah. Agreed. I, I've noticed that if I read the problems, if I if I'm doing them in the morning after I've had a good night's sleep and I wake up and you know I'm like, all right, I'm I'm able to focus. I'm at my desk. Mm-hmm. I don't have as much trouble. But when I do them at night, where I'm usually like sitting on my couch with just my laptops and I'm on my monitors, and mm-hmm. you know I'm tired from the day and maybe I'm watching TV, it definitely uh, gets a little bit more complicated. Um, okay, so that was problem eight. Problem nine was the rope bridge. Uh, oh yeah, this one was really interesting. Um, basically, you were it on was. A, you were on a bridge, and that that was the conceit. But then, really, it had nothing to do with the bridge. After that, it was like, okay, uh, how do ropes move? And they would move. <laughs> so you had a rope with, I think it was two knots in it, and you would move one. You'd move the head, and it was like, where does the tail go? Based on certain rules, and the rules had to do with adjacency and whatnot. How'd you do on this one? Well, this was one that I got, you know, it took me my usual few hours to get part one. uh, And then I read part two and (laughs) it was a little overwhelming because in part one, essentially the rope can only be, I think at most like two segments long. Yep. uh, Because if if it gets to three, it pulls the tail and makes it two again. Whereas in part two, it can now be 10 segments long. So the way I did not uh, the first part, if I would have thought further along about what part two might have been, I probably would have made the data structure more flexible. And so part two would have been more. I mean, just FYI, I have not really attempted part two. I've just looked Mm -hmm. at it and read about it and thought about it. So um, like I know that I'm going to need a more flexible data format to, to model the rope so that or at least that's what it seems but also i'm not sure because i haven't tried i mean maybe it's really as simple as just taking my logic for the first one and just kind of extending it literally and figuratively um pretty pretty so, much actually yeah <laughs> so, so 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 did you find part two even though like did you also think that it looked overwhelming like when they showed it and then it wasn't actually when you did it or did you not think it was overwhelming even from the beginning um i even thought part one seemed uh, complicated at first. Looking at it, I was like, "Oof!" I think that was one of the ones I looked at at night and went, "I'm just gonna deal with that tomorrow." I don't, I don't feel, I don't <laughs> yeah. feel like like making my brain work tonight. Um, and then I got in and reread it, and I was like, "Oh, that's actually pretty straightforward." And I like knocked out part one pretty quick. Uh, I had let's see, my classes for that one were I had a position class, a rope class, mm-hmm. and a rope map class um, because there was things that needed to operate on all of those. Uh, so this definitely started to get more. It's starting to get more complicated. Part mm-hmm. two, how to not be spoilery. Um, I will say, I did not 
do part two in the way that I was happy with. Um, but I got the right answer. But I, I basically mm. hacked in a solution because I didn't feel like rewriting my entire rope class to mm-hmm. handle all those extra knots. Um, and mm-hmm. so I just basically I used the classes I had already made and I I chained them together in a way that was logical and worked, but was really inefficient and stupid. Um, well, well, that that's interesting. Like, what, what's the fallibility of it? Like, like, how could the problem be made harder that would force you to actually rewrite it? I mean, I should have rewritten it for this. I just because I did it in the morning, I'm like, well, I have to go to work. Uh, so I just, <laughs> once I got a hacked solution, I, I tested it with my hacked solution. I'm like, I know this should give me the right results, and then I mm-hmm. can optimize it, but then or, or refactor it. But once I did that, uh, once I got the answer, I was like, I'm good, and I never went back. Um, mm. it, it it changed the nature of the rope enough, um, and the way I had written it was I didn't I didn't use like a list like a lot of people did or an array. I just I really I had two positions. I had head and tail. And so, like, in order to rewrite it, I would have had to do, I would have had to change the internal data structure to the rope class to be something like a list and then iteration and all that would have worked fine. Um, and I know exactly how to do it, but I didn't want to. Uh, <laughs> but this is the kind of thing so that there. if you, this is the kind of problem that we run into in, in actual software engineering all the time, as opposed to just problem solving like this, uh, where I've definitely seen people do more or less exactly what I've done here, where I've just mm-hmm. like, all right, I have these things. I'm going to hack this together, um, you know, put in a to-do comment so that we come back. <laughs> and then you never do. And then they leave the company. And then later, you know, two, two three years later, I come in uh, and look at the code. And I'm like, what the hell? Uh, you know, definitely been there before. <laughs> so this is the oh, kind so of thing that you're... if you were doing it in real life, you should refactor it. But for this, it's a one-off. Who cares? So, so what you're saying is that future Matt is going to hate present Matt. If... Future Matt ever needs to ever deal looks with at this again. ropes again? Yes. <laughs> uh, I got gotcha. you. Cool. So that was part, that was number nine. Yeah. Number nine. Number nine. Uh, ten. Cathode. Cathode. Number ten. Oh. Cathode ray tube. Uh, and I love the fact that they actually included a link as to what that was because there are people who are too young to know uh, yes. to have had to deal with CRTs. Uh, so I'm old. Uh, this was interesting because it was basically a set. It, they gave us a whole bunch. The input was a whole bunch of operations. You either had no ops or you added a value to a variable. It was really, yeah. really simple assembly code, basically. Yeah. Um, and let's see the... Part one, I have to scroll past this. This is one of those ones that was really long. I just, I really love this one. This, so far, this is my favorite one. I think I agree. Um, yeah, so we were supposed to find the signal strength, which had to do with uh, what the value of X was, basically, mm-hmm. at the cycle that you were on. It was like the cycle times the value or something like that gave us the, a the, signal The register. Strength. You have like one CPU register. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that, that was, it was... I would say this one was pretty straightforward, but uh, let's get your thoughts first, and then we'll dive into part two on that as well. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's part two that makes it my favorite, but uh, no, the first one, yeah, the first one, uh, uh, yeah, it it seemed like a a much lighter version of a very late 2021 problem 
Um, I'm not sure if you remember, but there was definitely oh, one where you, yeah, yeah, that one, uh, this, this was like, I'm, I know I didn't get that one, but this one I did. So I, I appreciate, uh, you know, the familiarity yet the, uh, lower complexity. Uh, yeah. So the first one you just have to figure out, you basically send your little, very simple, uh, machine, uh, through a bunch of cycles and, and just, you know, keep track of the register, uh, value, uh, at certain cycles like the 20th the 60th blah 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 and then you you know add them all up or multiply them or something at the end and that's that's your answer whereas part two is way cooler because essentially it's like an old school you know cathode ray tube screen that has like a certain number of columns across and a certain number of rows up and down and it's like you know, are you turning a pixel on? It's like a black and white screen. Are you turning a pixel on here as it goes to the next one? Almost like a typewriter, but, you know. Yeah, we were school. doing, like, collision detection of of the sprite with the pixel or something like that. Right. And, and like, like if the sprite was in the right zone when the cycle was going past it, then it wrote a pixel to the screen. Otherwise, it didn't. And then it just kept going and then down a row. And, and then at the end... You had a picture, and I mean, I I always love it when they do uh, a problem that has like a natural or almost in this case required because that was the answer. Um, visual the one the rope bridge one. Uh, I definitely the, the 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 cool thing I did for that one and this one was uh, all the other problems I'd been doing in um, a single synchronous thread in TypeScript. Uh, nine and ten is the first time that I started putting things in an async thread. Uh, so because uh, one of the classes, utility classes uh, that I made was both a sleep and a just wait for like press any key kind of a thing. So I could just like, you know, tap the space bar to go through all the cycles and, and see like, oh, where does it mess up and then go to my code and fix it. Um, but or just set it to do a, a sleep. And so um I can just hit go on the program and then it like slowly, almost like a typewriter, typed out all of the, you know, pixels. And uh, and I made like the dark ones red and the lit ones green. So it was even a Christmas theme. And it was, you know, it was like, this is the kind of thing that I could show my wife and my child. Like, hey, look what yeah. dad is working on. Look at this cool visual thing because this 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 page of text doesn't mean anything to them like it does to me. And so I love it when the answer is something visual. Yeah, same. I had, uh, I only had one class for this one, which was CPU. And it, it, I basically did it like game development. I had a, I had a game loop effectively. And mm-hmm. I just, I called tick <laughs> every time right. tick went through. Uh, and I had compute, which would execute the instruction, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one's really cool. I, I enjoyed this the part two of this a lot uh, for exactly the same reasons you did. I did run into an interesting problem, which was I got the right answer because you were able to visually check it, but I had mm-hmm. some garbage on the right hand side because I had uh, basically an off by one error, and and so that that was interesting. It was the first this was the first problem that you could I think not get a perfect solution and still get the answer uh mm-hmm. for for one of the parts i i also had some noise in mind and also had to uh i i got the answer wrong first because i guessed one letter that it looked like and then i got it right when i guessed the other letter you know just to um reiterate why we're doing this podcast again you use the phrase off by one error and now i understand what that means but i'm curious like can you can you just say like what does that mean when you get an off by one error yeah off by one errors are super common in software development of of any kind really and all it is is usually it's you're iterating over an array and you either read one more than you should have or one fewer than 
one less, whichever one that is, uh, then you should have. Uh, it's 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 a logic error basically of of not thinking about it. And I think the most common place I saw this early in my career was, you know, we were we were doing C where you actually have like null terminated strings, and as we've talked about before in in software, you index by with zero as the first as opposed to one, and so you mm-hmm. get like a length of a string as being like 42 and you go to, and you, then you Oh, give me my string sub 42. And it would come back as a null error as a null character. And you're like, why? Cause I was off by one. Right. And so that yeah. kind of thing just extends in this case, I was subtracting one in the wrong place. Cause you were, I was trying to get the length of the, the CRT as 40. Mm-hmm. And I just, it worked fine until I got to the end, in which case it would wrap around and give me a negative one <laughs> instead of a, uh, Instead of a, yeah. a 40 or a 39, well, as it should have been. Right. Well, and, and I think they almost kind of set us up for that potential. Oh, because, absolutely. Well, because cause in, in the in the diagram where they're showing the six rows and 40 columns of your your screen, they, they use cycle 1 to 40. But when you're indexing your, you know, your data structure, you're most likely using 0 to 39. And there's your off by one error, potentially. Yep. So, all right, let's quickly uh, talk day 11 um, and then we yes. go into day seven uh, in okay. some detail. So day 11 uh, today, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if you had a chance to do it, but it was monkey in the middle. And basically the rope bridge collapsed in the last problem. And so now you're in the water and some monkeys have all your stuff and they're throwing mm-hmm. them around based on how much you are worried about that item, uh, which is weird. This uh, in a lot of ways is like the last one in that it's like, okay, here's Here's the information that you've got uh, for each monkey and what you do when the monkey is looking at the uh, at the item and so on and so forth. So you effectively are building up a, a little mini compiler for this this domain specific language, which is I always enjoy, but some people hate. Um, <laughs> have you have you had a chance to look at this one yet? Uh, I, I have read it and I have started. Uh trying to parse the input, but that's as far as I've gotten. Um, the, the the one interesting thing about this one is, you know, uh, Advent of Code kind of started out with, like, your input being largely, like, the actual values or numbers that you are processing, whereas now on day 11, uh, the input is being given almost more like a, a text document with English instructions. And so uh, there's a little more effort needed to process it uh properly it, it's it's not like hard but it just it's more effort and uh and that's that's where i'm at right now is just trying to uh efficiently process it and put it into a data structure uh you know that brings up a good thing uh, another thing that i just noticed along the way is in typescript i'm not sure if i i don't think i mentioned it before because i don't think it came up until now but uh in javascript you can access an index of an object or an associative array with a variable without any extra effort. But in TypeScript, uh, it doesn't let you do that unless that variable is a specific type of variable, which is a key of uh, variable, which is also a type of the object that you are trying to access. And man, I've run into that so many times in these problems, because normally I do that without thinking, and TypeScript has stopped me and said, no, uh, we we don't know if this index actually exists. We're not going to let you, com- you know, we're not even going to let you compile this, let alone run it and get an error, which 
I mean, thanks TypeScript. That's really nice of you. But um, it's almost like made me not want to use objects, whereas normally in JavaScript, objects are everywhere and you use them. They're a very popular data structure for having any kind of key value pair where you're like, okay, I need this object and it has a list of attributes. And so those are the keys and then they have values. I, 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 I haven't found a good way to get around that. Look into records. Records. Vinyl okay. records, specifically. Uh, record yes, uh, basically takes in a template, and that does what you're talking about. Because I had the same problem the way I do it in Python. When I build a map, it basically is a record in TypeScript. Mm-hmm. Whereas, but it, syntactically in Python, it looks like just making a generic object. Uh, and so that was... When, if you do it with a record, you don't have most of those key of problems. I, I, I ran into that really early on, and I went, nope, there's got to be a better way to do this. And <laughs> so a lot of my time on that one boy, uh, uh, early on came down to that. Uh, for 11, since you haven't done it, I won't talk too much about it, other than mm-hmm. two really annoying things happened to me. Uh, and okay. this, this explicitly, the reason I'm doing this in TypeScript is TypeScript is what I use at work, and I don't mm-hmm. have a lot of experience with it outside of this job i'm much more of a python developer and i used i did python last year uh this year i'm doing i'm forcing myself to do typescript and ran into problems twice today where uh javascript is stupid uh and (laughs) python is great um Mm -hmm. with this problem one when you do an array sort in javascript slash typescript it does uh-huh. not sort by the type of value that's in there. It converts everything to a string and and sorts so far. If you have the array 1, 5, 10 and you do a sort, it doesn't come out 1, 5, 10. It comes out 1, 10, 5 because that's the order that by st- – that's so stupid. Uh, <laughs> it's non-intuitive, especially in TypeScript. JavaScript, it makes a little bit more sense because you don't know the types. But yeah. polymorphism, that's what this is for. Uh, yeah. So that well, pissed now, me off. Now, now t- you do know you, you can pass in your own – function that the which is what i had to do okay it's just but what it does normally just subtracts and like just this is what polymorphism is for and it it's wrong javascript and typescript is is objectively incorrect on how it's doing sorting now now now, uh explain what you mean by polymorphism for the people at home each of so the objects in my array are of a particular type or class and operations mm-hmm. on them, like subtraction, instead of having like a generic subtraction class, you have the sub- or subtraction function, you have the subtraction function inside of your class. And so when I say object A minus object B, my classes should know how to deal with themselves without me having to tell them. Uh, mm-hmm. But JavaScript did it wrong. And then the second okay. part, and this is when you get to the second part, you'll find it. Python doesn't have a maximum integer as of Python 3, and uh, TypeScript does. But it doesn't tell you that you got to it. It just stops working correctly once you exceed max safe integer. Uh, so that I like, huh. I coded this up and I was like, I don't know why I'm getting the wrong number. Mm-hmm. Uh, is, and I was like, I wonder if it's because uh, in like C++, I would have overflowed and started getting negative numbers. But my numbers looked right. Just the uh, when I would operate on them, I would get not always the right answer. And it was very strange. Um and uh, talking to Richard, one of the one of our friends that is also doing this with us, uh, he do, he is doing it in Python. So he ran into the same problem in <laughs> Python, but a different sorry a different problem with the same issue because Python mm-hmm. handles it fine. But then he ran into an optimization issue because of that. 
I think he said uh, if he had done it the way he did part one, it would not have finished before the heat death of the universe or mm. something like that. Well, that, so, that's, that's good to know. I appreciate that uh, yeah. that insight. Yeah. So that was the thing I didn't know. And these are both things that I needed to know in order to be a good software developer with TypeScript. you got to know your tools. I did not know either of those things. So I've learned some things, which is great. But uh, JavaScript, you're stupid. Uh, yeah. <laughs> go home. You're I, fucked. I, All right. Yeah, I mean, I, I, since I'm just to reiterate, I'm also doing these in TypeScript, and and once again, my only experience is using it in Angular, not just as itself. And uh, I'm much more used to using JavaScript, which I believe has coddled me uh, into allowing me to get away with a lot of things that TypeScript does not allow you to get away with. So uh, I both love and hate that about it. Yeah. So back to seven. Seven. No space left no space on device. No space left on device. So you said you've run into problems on this. So um, I didn't talk about Yeah, my I didn't get the right it. answer, Matt. That's the problem so, I have. So I, <laughs> this was the first, well, I, actually, let's just hear your problem. Um, I, I got this one, um, and I have some thoughts on how I should have done it in a couple places. But ultimately, I've written a, I've written a shell before. <laughs> And mm-hmm. this isn't, this was basically, hey, you have a shell, like, shell, you know, like I, I wrote bash effectively in college. Um, mm-hmm. So why I figured it would be like that. It wasn't exactly, it was more of a, like a tree type problem where you're like, okay, I've got this parameter times this parameter or whatever. Uh, where are you running into issues with this one? Do you think? So, um, yeah, it's, it's hard to summarize, like the day plus several hours the next day that uh, I worked on this. But I mean, I have a program and it runs and it does find, uh, you know, it does keep track of the files in a particular directory and adds them up. And the test data that they give you in the program uh, comes out correctly. Uh, But when I give it the real data, it does not. And, And one way that I did it, came out uh, too high and another way I did it came out too low because just uh, when you when you submit a thing on advent of code that at least the first few times you do it it will tell you whether your answer at least if it's a number I'm not sure what it would have done on day 10 when you were trying to give it capital letters or on the stack problem uh, but uh, it probably just says it's wrong so, so you at least sort of have an idea maybe in a direction of which way you're going wrong um, I went on the subreddit and I found some other people who were having issues and also gave some more test data. Because just to reiterate, basically the test input is like a log of someone navigating a file system. So it's like if they dropped you on a computer and you're at the root, it like does an ls, which basically means, you know, list what files and directories are in the current directory. And it shows them and each line is like either a directory or a file with a file size. And then there's uh, one other command, which is CD, which means change directory. And so you're changing into a subdirectory and then maybe doing another LS and seeing what that is. And then you essentially have to um, add up all the file sizes of all the files in each directory. Um, And in the test one that they give you, there are four directories that they say exist. There is uh, the root drive, which includes every other subdirectory. There is the D directory, which is doesn't have any subdirectories. There's the A directory, which has both files and a subdirectory with a file. 
And then there's the E directory, which is under the A directory, but doesn't have any below it. So those are the four directory file size totals that it wants you to find. And then you add all of those. And then and then whichever of those directories is lower than 100,000 bytes, you should um, keep track of and then add those together to get your thing. So like I said, the test data seems to work fine. I ended up in the end basically just, I mean, everybody's talking about using a tree. I don't even think I really understand what that means programmatically. So I don't think I did that. I basically looking at my code. So, so the first thing I did is I basically went through all, I went through every line in the log and I used it to make a map of the file system. And then I went through that file system and counted up collections of directories and files and getting their overall size. And then I check to see which ones are under 100,000, and then I add those up. So far, that sounds correct? Yeah, that's all right. Okay. I mean, all a tree is in this case, if you were to do it, is your your root node would be the slash directory, right? And then you mm-hmm. have leaves underneath that, so other nodes in your tree, that would either be a file or a directory. And if it's a directory, it's going to have more files or directories underneath it. And then you would just parse through that. Uh, it sounds like you didn't use that as a data structure to store your data, but there's a bunch of ways. A lot of people just used straight up maps for it. I ultimately didn't use a tree, I don't think. Uh, mm-hmm. No, I used a tree while parsing it, and then to actually figure out what you're ta- the part you're talking about, I, I put it into a map, uh, a dictionary, so that I could pull stuff out, because mm-hmm. otherwise it was, it was a pain. The big problem, I think, that... I ran, in, I ran into two big issues with this one. One was the the ability to go up a directory, so cd dot dot. Mm-hmm. Um, I kept messing up my uh, my string manipulation and how where I was putting slashes, so I wasn't getting uh, the same key for my map when I was when I was traveling through it. Sometimes I'd end up with like slash a slash slash e, for example. Um, and that like extra slash was throwing me off. And so it took me a little while, just like, it was just dumb mistakes on my part. Some me not knowing the TypeScript very well, me just being stupid in other places, <laughs> um, you know, dumb, dumb mistakes. The other issue I think is probably double counting there's. So if you have you, with directory a, right, it has mm-hmm. directory E underneath it. And then I know the, one of the times I coded this, I, either didn't include the file underneath E when I was showing the size of A, or I did it twice. Like, I don't remember, like, when I was recursing into the directories to get it. So I think what I did is I, this is ultimately where having, like, a tree and, like, in computer science terms, and, like, uh, walking that tree, getting all the way down to the leaf nodes, the ones that don't have anything underneath them, so files in this case, getting their value and then, storing that in the parent directory and then going up and up and up uh, works better rather than trying to like recurse down into it. Um, mm-hmm. There's also some optimization there. I just wanted to mention that I tried, I, I found someone who had posted a solution in Python, of course, and uh, and it was incredibly short and, and concise, which I think Python is really good at being, especially for this kind of application. And one thing I tried to do, which I've done like one other time, which is um, translation, I tried to mm-hmm. translate it from Python to TypeScript, which uh, I tried I tried a few different ways. I mean, it was pretty simple, so I could honestly just kind of look at it in Python and write it in TypeScript. Uh, but there's one thing in Python that it was doing 
two things that it was doing that I could not find. Uh, actually, I take that back. Three things that it was doing in Python that I could not find a 100% analog in TypeScript. One, it was using a default dict, short for dictionary, mm-hmm. uh, which I believe is part of its standard library. Uh, yep. You can build that in JavaScript. Uh, you know, JavaScript has objects. So I think I found one that more or less does what it does. But it also was using tuples. Uh, and it was using array accessing with like the name of the array and then the open braces and then a colon and then a space Mm -hmm. and then an I plus one, which was like, okay, I have not seen that in another language. And so I could not suss out exactly how that would work in TypeScript. So that was another dead end. Yeah, that was a big frustration for me trying to do this in TypeScript is was specifically string slicing. Th- those the that's just a slice. It's their way of doing a slice. If you see a colon, it's zero through i. So colon i plus one would just be zero through i plus one. So it'd be equivalent to dot slice, uh, right? So sort of like um, a range. And then like yeah. and negative one, if you put it in any of in that, is you count backwards in index. So rather than having to do dot length minus one, which is what I have. So yeah, this is the place I got really frustrated. Was Python handles string manipulation so much nicer from mm-hmm. a slice perspective and i yeah. like having to go back to the old way of doing that uh from my <laughs> perspective was yeah. just i was like really like okay this is so verbose i would rather just say negative one here um yeah the, the shorthand in python but yeah i could see how reading it would make that uh a little a little difficult to parse yeah i, I don't um... remember what default dict does off i think default dict is almost exactly an object in typescript i think i think it's nearly identical because it's yeah. just named i think it's named uh keys basically yeah well that's basically an object yeah um yeah, yeah the the only other time i tried to try i've tried to translate something like this before was uh when i was writing a random name generator that used markov chains uh, mm. i'd never used markov chains didn't know the uh uh the algorithm but i was like oh this seems like the perfect uh, thing like I have a list of names and I want to randomly make up new ones based on the statistical analysis of it but it was in I think it was in JavaScript and so I translated it to Ruby because at the time I was using it for that uh, for that gym warrior game like so mm-hmm. it, if you started a new thing and you didn't want to choose a name you could just say generate me a name and it just generates a name from a data set of names um, so that was fun but also arduous and tedious and uh mm-hmm. I just didn't have it in me to do it with the Python one. So anyway, uh, it's, yeah, I think without stepping through each step with you, like line by line, uh, it's, I'm not going to get any closer without maybe just like blowing it away and, and, and starting from scratch. Cause I feel like I'm, I'm just kind of like iterating and refactoring on the same, like two or three things and then forgetting that I did it. And I don't know, it's, you know, I, I had to move on at some point, but I do feel like it's doable for me and i do want to finish it at some point but uh there are yeah, send me your code i'll see if i can nudge yeah. you in the right direction incidentally okay. i looked it up uh, default dict is exactly like a dictionary in in python except if the item isn't there so if you mm-hmm. do like my dictionary sub foo gets whatever or plus plus there is already a default item in mm. it's basically it's just like if it's not there 
say that the say that the value was this. So if, anytime you go to access that data, it gives you. So if you're doing counting, for example, which you would be doing here, I had to have if statements to be like if this value is already in my dictionary, do this way. Otherwise, create a default and then do that. Um, yes. Or more precisely, I, I would just do if it's not in there, create the default, and then I always just apply the same operation afterwards. I, honestly, yeah, I think one of my approaches to this was just trying to build an object with keys and subkeys of the file system, but I ran into that issue of the key of type of garbage in TypeScript, mm -hmm. and I just got angry and stopped doing that. But now that you've clued me in on trying that record method, I think I will look into that and then try to go back to this one and maybe even the other ones uh, to see if that will help. Speaking of which, be before I even started on day 11 today, I did the equivalent of cleaning your house instead of doing your homework, where I went to all of my old uh, days and tried to uh, refactor them so that they were more consistent. Because essentially, every now and then, I'll like write a helper class, or I'll bring in another Node plugin. Like I, I recently brought in this plugin that I would recommend called Chalk, which just lets you color text which I used yeah. for the, yeah. And so I'm like, ooh, that would be really useful for the other days. So I go back and I'm like, okay, let's, you know, it's it's like I'm continuously iterating on the template of what an advent of code day looks like. And that's totally the equivalent of cleaning your house because you don't want to do your homework. <laughs> so yeah. I want to do that to my code and I have not. And I, I should. <laughs> It's, well, it's ugly. should <laughs> is a strong word, but uh, it makes me feel better in the short term. So, okay. I well, will I say I did use record for day seven specifically for how I stored things in the file system. Oh, man. I wish I would have otherwise. Known otherwise, it's classes. I have a command class that's really just for parsing it. Uh, yeah. Simple file, which is just the file, but I couldn't call it that because file was a reserved word. Right. And directory. And then everything else, just I just started throwing stuff into that file system, and it builds from there. I appreciate you looking at that. And uh, and also, uh, I, I think we hit all of them. Day 5 through 11. Uh, 11 came out today. Uh, I look forward to the next seven days and, uh, and talking about them with you again uh, next week. I, I mean, I think this week was definitely a lot more interesting. Uh, a bit more frustrating for me, for sure. It definitely wasn't a breeze, but the problems were much more engaging even as I was taking forever to do them. So I agree with that, yeah. Yeah. Uh, cool. All right, well, I think that uh, wraps up this uh, somewhat longer episode of uh, Hacking the Grepson, but I think Advent of Code is our sweet spot for something to talk about on this, so... I'm, I'm here for it. You should look us up on hackingthegrepson.com and you can see all our other episodes. We are also on Twitter at HTG underscore podcast. That's where we put uh, links to when the new episodes go up and any other random podcast related minutia that I think of when I'm bored. For now, we return you to your regularly scheduled lives already in progress. Mm -hmm.